Welcome in to 11 Personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Wykett, rumbling, bumbling, stumbling through January, our first podcast of the official college football offseason, the longest offseason in any sport. It's um, it's a damn shame, Wykett, but here's the good thing, is at 11 Personnel, there is no offseason. That's right. And in fact, this might even, some might even say this is where we, th- this is where we're at our best. Yeah, some might call that the wheelhouse, right? The good thing with football now is it never stops, right? Transfer portal, recruiting, high school recruiting, goes right into spring practice. Then you got the summer camps, summer recruiting, right into leads right into fall camp season. Do it all over again. And so, yeah, we're gonna have we're not going anywhere. We'll be here nonstop throughout the off season um, to cover everything. We've got a Liam Cohen press conference tomorrow on Thursday as we record this podcast today on Wednesday afternoon. So, yeah, not nonstop action here moving forward. Uh, we still got a window of a week, Nick, till the portal closes the, this window. So um, transfers aren't done yet, but for the most part, I think Kentucky's probably done adding guys. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, we're entering – I would say probably we're about to enter the slowest point of the offseason. The slowest, like – Three weeks too, yeah. because it does kind of kick back up. We'll have junior uh, days and some recruiting stuff mm-hmm. the twenty first, the twenty eighth. But with the way Kentucky's keeping a tight lid on things, you know, there's not going to be I don't yeah. think too much leak out unless players are doing interviews. If players don't do interviews, we're not going to know much. I mean, uh, and so and that's that, that is where the, we're at uh, right now. Like right now, it's unfortunate as a recruiting reporter that like your old reliables, uh, your easy access, they they have become much more tight lipped over there at the University of Kentucky. But we will get a couple big recruiting weekends, like you said, uh, for that Texas A and M game on the twenty something. We'll get um, one for Kansas as well. Yeah. The next uh, big thing is really the Super Bowl commercial after Cohen. At, well, and after Wilcox. Yeah, Jamarion Wilcox is. Uh, he he put it out there that the decision is going to happen Friday. So, Luckett, are you confident that it's going to happen Friday night? I feel like I'm going to the roulette table. Well, I think Red's. Are. I think Red's coming up, but uh, I don't. I, it could not come up, and so that that that's where I'm at right now. I think there's a good chance it probably finally happens here on Friday. I'm assuming it's going to be in the evening time. Yes. Um, that's and the big blue nation could use that right now. Things aren't great <laughs> after last yeah. night. And so yeah. we could use a nice little buzz, uh, there get, getting Wilcox. That would be nice for everybody. Yeah. The, the Cohen, uh, stream of consciousness will be nice as well. Um, but, uh, one thing I, you know what? Screw it. Let's just get right into it. You, you mentioned roulette. Um, you are going to a bachelor party this weekend in Las Vegas. I have never been to Las Vegas. Um, You're missing so, out, man. Yeah. It I, is I, your, I, like, it is made for people like you, Nick. You would have a ball there. So what, what's your game of choice out there? Or, or are you just, um, sit at the sports book and, and that's yeah. where most of your investments going to crab crabs is my favorite table game. Okay. I could, you know, when things are going well, craps. There's no nothing more fun, but you can lose, you can lose money fast playing craps. Um, so you have to be a little cautious. But um, I've had times where I've hit Nick, like I've been on a craps table for ten hours, won a couple grand. 
So, <laughs> you know, and when you're going like that, like the best thing about Vegas and the worst thing is like time is like there's no there's no time. Like you're just time is like time isn't borrowed. Time isn't any time just doesn't exist. You're a prisoner of the moment. <laughs> and so you're just in there and you don't know what time it is, this or that. It's bright and on the casino floor. Um, you look up. No one else is left at the craps table. You look at your clock. It's like 4.30 in the morning. You're like, it doesn't feel like 4.30 in the morning. Like, let's go do something. Um, so that that is, uh, I would say that's my favorite, right, table game. And then, like, obviously sportsbook. That is that is my wheelhouse. And this is good. And that's why we're going for this weekend. It's because the wild card weekend. So Super wild card. Yeah. It should be yeah, a pretty fun time. Six and going, games. And actually going to a hockey game, Nick. I've never been to a professional hockey game. We're going Thursday night. So pretty excited about that. That'll be fun too, because like the theatrics that they do pregame, yeah, look mm-hmm. awesome. Like every time I see their intro, I'm like, that looks a ton of. Fun. I'm, I'm I'm excited. That, um, it also has motivated me that I'm I'm in charge of planning a bachelor party, and it's gonna. I've just got to just knuckle down and do it um, for the summer. So you've motivated me. I, I've only played craps once, and I was actually. Uh, it was pre kids. Might even be pre marriage. Uh, but my wife and I were visiting some friends in Cincinnati and she got uh, after it a little too hard during the pregame. So I just went with uh, her high school friend and husband to the casino. I had never played craps before. So they were like, listen, we're going to pull our money together. You'll be the lucky one because you never played before. And I'll just kind of show you the way. Yeah. I don't really remember how it like, that's how it worked for me. It took like, and I, like I have to like I haven't played craps in a couple of years, so I have to like all right, this is this, this is that. But once yeah, you you know the, once you get into it, it's it all makes sense. But there is a lot of moving line, parts. Yeah, right. Is it, yeah, yeah that, that thing. And then sometimes seven's bad. Sometimes it's good. Sixes and eights. I mean, are, you can bet on what people will roll. You can yeah, bet on the, that's the cool. come line, the pass line. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there that that you can get overwhelmed. But if you're doing it right, like. Last time we went, uh, my brother's girlfriend is now fiance. She rolled dice for like, an, I'm not kidding you, for almost two hours. <laughs> I mean, they were switching out. They changed the dice a hundred times. They were switching out um, people that worked the table. Pit bosses, pit bosses, pit boss came over. <laughs> I mean, they were. I mean, I'm pretty sure they were watching us in the sky there at Treasure Island, and we Ooh. did a a number on that table. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I hope y'all. Um, win some money this weekend. Lucky, while we're talking about Super Wild Card, uh, is it bad that I'm worried about the quality of games? Like we've got two ten point. The quarterback ish. The quarterbacks in this round is does make you worrisome a little bit. Two is out, right? Lamar might be out as well. Um, they said he hasn't like practiced at all still. So right yeah, now he's out, he's not. Yeah, so we got Niners are nine and a half point favorites over Geno Smith. Um, we also have uh, the Dolphins are 13 point dogs now. That moved all the way down to that two is out. 13 points, sheesh. Bengals are eight point favorites. Like some mm-hmm. huge, That's going to keep growing numbers. too. Yeah. So I, what, what do you make of this? Is there a way that you are looking to play? Because like, I mean, the... the the chalk looks – I hate saying the chalk looks nice, but, like, mm-hmm. as much as we've dogged the Vikings, 
aren't they better than the Giants, right? Yeah, like, the problem is they pl- – didn't they play like Christmas Eve or something like that? It was in Minnesota, and the Vikings needed like a 63-yard field goal at the horn to win. Um, so we've seen that game, and that, that's where the number is. It's right on three. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like, you got two games here, right, with the Ravens, Bengals, Seahawks, Niners, divisional games. Third time they've played these teams. They know each other very, very, very well. And you're laying almost 10 points, the Niners and the Bengals. Bingo, that Bengals line is going to keep growing because Lamar, I don't think he's playing. Huntley didn't practice today. Um, and so I read some somebody said somewhere that the line with Lamar is going to be right around five and a half. The line with Huntley would be eight and a half. And then the line with Anthony Brown would be 10, 10 and a half. And so you got to watch that. If, if Huntley's in there, it's going to be right around eight. If not, it's going to Brown, it's going to be right about 10. So you have to, like, just be careful laying that many points in a game like that. And so, like, like I think the, Se- I think the Seahawks are a little sneaky. I don't think they're going to win. Um, but I could definitely see them hanging with the 49ers. The Ravens just know the Bengals and their defense is really good. So you have to watch that. If they get a couple turnovers, they could be in really good shape um, to hang around in that football game. Um, but to me, Nick, I'm just really excited to watch Chargers-Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's Herbert versus... Uh, Herbert versus Lawrence. Brandon Staley is an absolute wild card over there for the Chargers. Like that's probably my favorite wager this week is laying that small number with the Chargers because I think they're really good and their defense is finally healthy. They got Bosa back. Derwin James is in there, um, but you never know with Staley. I mean, and both these coaches will go for it on fourth down and roll the dice on anywhere on the field. So. That makes it very interesting. I think that's going to be a very, very fun game. And I love that they – because usually they put that 4-5 game – or they, at least they did with the Bengals last year. They put that at 4. I'm glad they put that in primetime Saturday night um, because well, that is a fun quarterback matchup. And you saw it uh, a week ago I because I, I was riding that Jags train uh, as well, just hoping that they would – Yeah. They could get in. And Trevor Lawrence. Jags have had a very form, uh, fortunate schedule, I think, here. Down the stretch, you got to give them credit for beating the Cowboys at home, beating the Ravens at home. But when they've played good teams, Nick, like they've needed like late comebacks uh, here uh, at home. So you got to think that they're probably going to need that again against the Chargers, and will they be able to get it? Yeah, and my thing is, I I feel like our, our best version of Trevor Lawrence, we've seen flashes here and there, but we basically got our worst version of it, and they still found a way to win. I mean. Zay Jones could not have been more wide open in that end zone, and he, yeah, that was a tough. That was a, that ball's a little tough because you had to, you kind of kind of layered in there, and he did miss on that, no doubt about but, it. But and it felt like Rich Gangarello was calling plays for them in the red zone. They were they they left yeah. so many points on the board there. Yeah, um, I think you look at the Chargers like, I think Herbert's better than Lawrence right now. Yeah, Eckler's better than Etn right now. Mm-hmm. Their receiving core is better than the Jaguars right now. I think their defense, since it's healthy, is better. Like, all signs are like, the Chargers should win this game, but you don't know Staley. Staley's just, uh, I mean. I mean, playing his starters time. last week in the third and fourth quarter, like, what an idiot. You're, you're a dummy. Yeah, there's just, there's no, I mean, I get why coaches want to do it, but there's really, like, you have a playoff spot locked up. You're not getting a home playoff game. Yeah. You're going on the road regardless because you didn't win the division. Just, you know, and they, I, cause they were on, they got like, they, they were playing their best football of the year. So I think he wanted to keep that momentum, but there was just, I don't know. You just, to me, you don't need to do that. 
Um, because you risk. You're right. Mike Williams hurt his back. I think he's questionable for Sunday, and that hurts. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, I, I'm not overly confident in any of them, but I'll probably just do a 17 money on or six game money on parlay because, like, it's the freaking playoffs. Let's let it ride. One year, look at I did. I got all four. Or yeah, it, it's four in the divisional round, right? Four games a pop. It, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, four games total, and I got I I had them all straight up and in a parlay. Six. And I was it's six now. It used to be four. Okay, I did that one year where I got them all right, and I was basically the smartest person that has ever watched a football game ever before in my life. So like, I feel like you have to just like, all right, let's make all of our picks, see, roll the dice. Um, and, and see what we can come up with. But the lines are a little th- – th- there's nothing that's just, you know, too like, all right, you got to hammer this. Like, they're they're kind of right where you expect them to be. Um, I'll be cheering. I, I have my rooting interest. Um, but I, I am afraid that, like, Tom Brady beating the Dallas Cowboys is too much of an easy <laughs> – you know what I mean? Like, that's just too – everybody's uh, going to expect it, right? The Cowboys have lost eight consecutive role playoff games. They have not run, won a role playoff game since 1995. That's incredible. <laughs> Ain't it? And I also I mean, saw stats Bucks, today. They're not, they're not that good. Like, you should be able to take care of business. Burrow but, is a, and Joe Burrow is a win away from becoming the Bengals' all-time winningest playoff quarterback. He'll have the most wins in playoff in franchise yeah, history. Right. Past Boomer. Boomer has three. That's it? Yeah. How many times did Palmer go to the playoffs, too? He went to, like, five and probably won one game? He went to two. Oh, it was then, Dalton who went to a and bunch. And then Dalton, went, they went, like, four years in a row. And lost that Saturday wild card game a bunch. Yeah. Um, but either way, those, those games will be exciting. I, I wish I had better um, insight tips to give. Um, but I'm just looking forward to having the football uh, because uh, I want to flush out that noon Tennessee game out of my system as quickly as possible. I just can't, can't stomach it. I can't, I hate him. I hate him so much. I hate that Rick Barnes has cow's number, but is a football podcast like it. We don't need to spend our time talking about that stuff right now. That's right. Other, other than saying that uh, DeAndre square, he might have a future in media. Cause I think he has, I was a good take. That was, yeah, I appreciated that take. He's, and it was, uh, they all look like jackasses after that. Exactly. Like, hey, maybe we shouldn't have spent so much time arguing over it. Karma. Karma got us. Yeah. Maybe that's what we needed to end that thing. Both teams uh, coming, not stinking, but coming woefully short of expectations. Uh, both teams stunk. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can just say. Well, we I, I will say for Kentucky, like, they had moments, like, football. Like, they yeah. beat Mississippi State, winning at Florida. Like, that is, that's like the equivalent of, like, Kentucky winning the Champions Classic and then – um, Losing like in sweep, the finals of like the SEC tournament, or, or something. like su- sweeping Tennessee in the regular season. Like you do those two things, uh, for the most part, it's going to be a good regular season. It's like that. Didn't they do that PJ Washington year? Right. This felt like a PJ Washington season where you're just like, eh. Yeah, they haven't swept Tennessee since I don't think since Barnes has been there. That's been a long time. But yeah, they I, they beat Tennessee in a big game at home. PJ's last year. I can't remember if they won the champion a champion of the classic game to start that year or not. But uh, now we're hitting the reset button. Uh, Liam Cohen is officially, officially back. That happened on Tuesday. And 
we did, talked about it at length already. Check it out on the KSR YouTube page. Um, I did find it interesting when he did his BBN Tonight interview um, that he did say, like, we fell short of expectations. It's on everybody. It's on me to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. And, like, twice so pay $1.7 million. Well, and, and kind of acknowledging, like, yeah, I'm kind of my bad. Like, <laughs> things, things wouldn't have been so bad if I didn't dip out when I did yeah. uh, last year. So I'm curious the. Um, what what just like what what those initial conversations are going to be like? Because I I know everybody's excited to they're going to be excited to see him, but there's also going to be like when he runs into Will Levis in there, Will's going to be like, dude, you kind of boned us, you know? Like that's I, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of a yeah, uh, but it went so bad that I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in that locker room, so I don't know what the overall feeling was with that. But there also might be uh, – God, we're just glad this guy's back after last year. Yeah, yeah, true. True. Uh, it does feel like we've discussed uh, between the first time he came back and now the second time where it's officially official, it feels like we've discussed it ad nauseum. So yeah. we don't need to spend a ton of time on it. Um, but I, I do think this is a good time to just kind of reflect on – uh, 2023 college football season where look at I I kind of jokingly said it at the Saturday or Monday night as it was happening but you know now now's a good time for old Greg Sankey to just say all right no more divisions but it does suck that right now the SEC has always been the best but there's really what they do is going to be awfully hard to dodge the top two dogs. And the top two yeah. dogs are so far ahead of everybody else that even in Georgia's seemingly bad year, where, I mean, they held them, Kentucky held them to 16 points, but they're still that much better than everybody else. It's just it's just hard to break through that mm-hmm. ceiling. And I, I do feel like what this playoff did, Luckett, is we got – we finally got the inverse of what we had in the past, which was in the past, there was always two teams, two and a half teams that were head and shoulders above everybody else. So you got one good semifinal game and a blowout and then a great championship team. Yep. This year, there was one team that was better than everybody else and then a bunch of other teams kind of in the mix. And Ohio State, they punched above their weight in that semifinal. We got some great semifinal games. And then we got the bad championship. I think in this expanded playoff, it's not going to happen all the time like this, but we're going to get more results. We're going to get better semifinal matchups in theory. Exactly. We're going to have better kind of undercards. Like there might be in those home first round home playoff games, there's probably going to be a blowout or two, but we're going to have some great semifinals. And I just, unless the, the Bama's right rise to the top in this situation, which I think could have happened this year. Like if we had a 12 team or this year, it's probably Bama Georgia in the final. Um, and that could produce a good game. But for the most part, I, I think that this sort of scenario, I think we're going to get more guys like that dude in the Mississippi State hat screaming at the TV about the committee. Yeah, to me, Nick, I don't want to sound like old man yells at cloud, but this was my least anticipated national championship game I can remember going into. Um, just because TCU had a great season. I'm not taking anything away, from, but like, did did you ever consider TCU like a top five team? I mean, they were always the fifth one, right? They were always that like 
Well, yeah, look what they've done, you know, but you, you got to give them credit for their wins, but they never did anything that other than just play like with the horseshoe up their ass, you know, <laughs> like that, that was, do you, the, do you remember like seven years ago, there was that Iowa team that just kept winning and was undefeated. Yeah. And then they lost the team- Michigan state. That's what this TCU team kind of reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Like they had a great season, but they weren't, um, they weren't one of the better teams in the country. Now, Michigan threw two pick sixes in a game. If you have, if you score two defensive touchdowns in a football game, you're probably going to win. <laughs> you know, you're like you're going to have your odds increase exponentially if you score one defensive touchdown, let alone two. So that happened for them, and they found a way to beat Michigan. And that that's really, I think, the big thing here. I think one. The Blue Bloods let Georgia steal one. Like this Georgia team, what they had coming back, they shouldn't have won the yeah. title this year. They were starting seven freshmen, true freshmen, true sophomores on defense. They didn't have like a skill talent superstar. Like Brock, they had Brock Bowers, but Brock Bowers did, had, took a step back from last year. Mm-hmm. Receiver was an issue all year. Creating vertical completions was an issue. O-line was awesome, but those running backs at Georgia, Nick, we've seen a lot better running yeah. back combinations at Georgia. But – you do got to give Kirby – well, I don't know if you would get to give Kirby credit, but he found Todd Monk. Like, Monk, Todd Munkin – Yeah, he was that, their MVP, that, I thought, all year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the, the stuff he had on those opening, like that first half where they really punched him in the mouth. Like, he had a quarterback that could make the reads and take advantage of the schematic stuff yeah. that they gave him. So, that was one takeaway. Number two was Big Ten – it was it was on the table for a Big Ten national championship. Michigan, Ohio State on the biggest stage. It would have been in the, the highest rated national championship game ever. Yeah. And they they blew it. They shit their pants <laughs> on New Year's Eve. You know, Ohio State kind of got the injuries really that was unfortunate for them. Yeah, yeah. Losing Stover and Williams or Harrison, La- the latter really more important there. Right, and you can make an argument. I saw someone tweet this out: If Jamison Williams and Marvin Harrison that do not get hurt, Georgia has zero national championships. Yeah, but yeah. that's why you got to put yourself in the dance. If you put yourself in the dance enough times, you're eventually going to win it. And well, the breaks are going to go your way. I think Georgia just the breaks went their way, and you just got to this year. I think Georgia's going to have better teams, but I don't know if they'll ever have a team that has a better season than this one just had. So, um, congrats to them. I mean, it was a uh, Impressive, impressive showing, and they just beat the ever-loving tar out of TCU. Yeah, I um, I felt bad for the – because if you're a TCU fan, you have to do whatever you can to be at that game on the off chance that you win because <laughs> you're never going to be back Well, like just the experience alone. Yeah, but like to go all the way out to SoFi and then it's raining on you the whole time, even that's, though you're covered. Like, that's another thing. Why – like the Rose Bowl is right down the road. Yeah. It's stupid. Never, and then they're going to Houston next year. What is Houston doing hosting a national championship game? I just, I don't it's know ridiculous. why we we don't need to play these. I don't, I don't get it, but whatever. Playing it, playing it in a college, like I was thinking the same thing too. Like, like I get SoFi stadiums, this big fancy. You kind of want to show it off, right? But like, are, are they going to go to the Meadowlands to play a national championship game? Are they going? I mean, like, they're going to go to Nashville whenever that indoor gets built. I mean. Play it at college football venues. <laughs> like that. I think, well, well, in hindsight, I think we really messed up here just not locking the national championship into the Rose Bowl every year. 
Um, we've had a couple of them at the Rose Bowl, and they've been awesome. USC Texas, the most popular. Auburn, Florida State was at the Rose Bowl. And then when they went from the BCS to the playoff, they took them out of the bowl games, and they put them in these pro stadiums. Wasn't Levi's Stadium one of them, too? Like, what? Yeah. Um, at Cle- one of the Clemson Bamas was out in San Yeah, that was a Clemson blowout one, I think. Yeah. Uh, and and here's the thing, too. Like, it, you know why they didn't do it? Because those freaking fart sniffers out at the Rose Bowl. Like, yeah, I just think- oh, it's not the traditional Rose Bowl. We need mm-hmm. it to be the traditional where it's Pac-10 versus Big Ten. And then it sounds like the Final Four in the championship, that's just how it's going to be. They're going to do it that way. It's three different NFL stadiums. I just I don't, I don't, like, I don't, it. I don't like it. It's We have the Rose Bowl. It's the coolest thing in college football. Yeah, use it. We, I, have, nas- we have national championship games there. Um, the best venue should host the national championship game. I don't understand why we're not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Especially, especially with- now, now with bowl games pretty much just being dissolved into nothing. I mean, you had Utah, Penn State, and the Rose Bowl, two good teams, but they were ranked, you know, eight and nine or whatever. Just play the national championship there. Like, what are we doing? The um, the future of bowl games, I think, is uh, worth discussion because the I, – I read something to Ralph Russo from the AP, who is their big national college football guy. He, uh, he spoke with the bowl season – head honcho who they have ways they have ideas on how to make sure that bowl season improves with this change and the smartest one is they can actually use bowl season as a way to experiment with profit sharing with players because that's that's what's coming down the pike right like nil is the first domino before all this tv money starts actually getting to the players and that's how we pay it um, with TV money. You can do that with these nil deals with your bowl games, primary sponsorship. Cheese it did it with, you know, they sponsored both of those bowls in Orlando, the citrus and their, their, the undercard bowl game. And, you know, a kid from each team got sponsored. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the way they want to go about it to prevent opt-outs and you're not going to prevent them all. Like, you know, but I think there's a difference between Chris Rodriguez playing um, and Will Levis, like you probably don't have enough money to pay Will Levis to play and risk first round status. But Chris Rodriguez, yeah, I'm sure he's got a dollar that would suffice, a dollar amount that would suffice. So I think that's a way they can go. But the bowl season guy did say that we do kind of want to, we don't want to put the the, the cart before the horse just yet to get this rolling. Um, but it is going to change because, I mean, the calendar of how it all works, because mm-hmm. And they're going to be playing. I mean, I, I think they're going to start Army Navy weekend for the playoff, right? Or the week at? I don't know if it's either that week or the week after. It's one of those weekends in December. Yeah. So I mean, th- things just have to change. I I did find it when I went back and looked at all the scores. All of the people who complained about like eh, ball games, eh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, half of them were one score games and. That was up to 60% during that week where it was like Power 5 games between Christmas and New Year's. We had some great games. Look, it had some horrific beats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bowl, <laughs> the, bowl, the bowl system, while not perfect, 
it still is a lot of fun. It's entertaining. People enjoy it. We can make it better uh, when this playoff changes here in last season without the the twelve team playoff coming up down here in twenty twenty three twenty four. Yeah, my overall thought is just there's a lot of changes that have to be made. Uh, number one to the month of December, like getting some stuff out of that month, and then you have to go from there. You know, and the playoff starts it all, and then going off of the playoff, how they kind of incorporate bowl games and how they can try to get players to want to play in these bowl games, I think is very important moving forward for the sport. But you're uh, but that bowl games aren't going anywhere. They're going to be played, if, even if it's, you know, these glorified exhibition games we saw in a few contests this year. One was Kentucky included. Yep. Uh, because people watch them, man. I mean, like a couple million people watch that Music City Bowl. Crazy. Crazy. And so it just um, – People that that's what people like. It's they're just really, really popular for whatever reason, and because of that, and they make a lot of money of them off of them. They are not going away. Um, the one thing that is probably going to go away, though, um, you mentioned the changes in December. Greg Sankey, he wants the early signing period out of here. Yeah. Like it, we've been you especially have been trumpeting this horn for a while, and I think with Sankey. Sankey was the guy that needed to say something to make this happen. He's the only one that seems to get any damn thing done in college football. So the fact that he's saying it means that there's a there's a good chance that we could see this coming in the very near future. Yeah. If not this next cycle, I can almost guarantee that they're going to have it gone by the time the playoff comes around because who's going to want to try to sign a class after you play a playoff game? Yeah, they have that AFCA coaches convention that right around the national championship game. Todd Berry, who's like their spokesperson – even talked about it. He mentioned maybe moving it up. I don't know when. That that sounds like stupid. Like, like having it like the a week after the regular season. Um, I that Stop. that to me that doesn't solve any problems. You're yeah. still in that little window of time. I get why. I think the coaches like having it where it's done, <laughs> right? I think they like getting to Christmas and everything's done, and then they can just focus on getting ready for you know, junior recruiting and spring ball and all that. I think they prefer that, but it just, I don't think it makes sense to do it that way. Um, If you're going to do it early, you need to have it in like July before the season starts and be like, you know, if you have, if you have an offer, you can sign right now. You don't have to. And then if you don't sign, you got to wait till February. That makes more sense to me. Um, Especially for the players, I think. It gives them more power, you know, that there's would be a lot of good decisions made. Some will make bad decisions or some decisions they want back, but I think that's just part of the territory. But either you need to push it in February and do the old school one, which number one I think is better for the sport because it gives it a huge bump in January and February. Yes. Like you can lead – those three weeks leading into it, it's a bigger deal for everyone involved, for the schools – uh, for the players and for companies like us, Nick, it's big for all of them. But it, and you get more eyes on it because there's nothing else really going on. Um, especially if you put it like the week before the Super Bowl, when there's a dead week in there on that Wednesday. Uh, but I don't know if they want to go back to that. And so you just gotta somebody's got to make the decision. I mean, Greg Sankey's, you know, we've joked about commissioner. He kind of is the commissioner of college football mm-hmm. at this point. 
And so I'll be interested to see what he thinks and what he does. I mean, he's going to do what that what you know the SEC people are going to talk about, and then they're going to do it. Um, and we'll see how it how it shakes out. Yeah, and I I understand why they're kind of happy to exhale for a little bit um, after the new year. But like, what's three off days compared to just not crazy? You know, like a a, a not crazy month of December, right? Like, yeah, in I just reality, think I- they're only yeah. getting a handful of days off. In no the matter ath- what. In the athletics story where Nicole Arabach spoke to Sankey, they mentioned like the transfer portal window, like they can maybe move that. Or well, they don't even know if maybe they'll even do multiple windows anymore, if they'll just open it up again. I mean, that's that's very much an experiment right now on how they're handling that. So they gotta figure that out. And they just gotta figure out what works for everybody. I think having to me, personally, the season ends and then bowl prep, like you don't need anything else, whether you're bowl prep or for the playoff prep. Like you should be focusing on those things. The season isn't over yet. And then you should get into recruiting after that in the coaching carousel. And that's another thing, the carousel they didn't like because the carousel has been pushed up because of this early signing day. Yeah. These schools want a head coach in so they can, you know, at least somewhat save a class instead of signing no one. Right. So that's pushed everything up. So you got co- like you got a, the Louisville and Cincinnati situation. Mm-hmm. If you moved things back, they could go through and play that game, and then the coaches could leave. But I do, do understand that. having the portal when you do because the reason why because uh, like of mid year, yeah, not going to add anybody. Like the school year, spring semester, you can't. I can't yeah. enroll in classes after Friday. So, like, there is a logistical aspect to it. I know some people ask, well, what about early enrollees? Like, you don't need to sign a letter of intent to enroll at a school. Mm-hmm. That's not – it's binding, yeah. but it's unnecessary. My point would be the it opened on December 1st or whatever, and it went through January 18th. We don't need a five-week window here for the portal. It's too long. We could get the, all this done in three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Enter the portal, schedule visits over two weekends – and go, especially with Zoom, with all this virtual stuff they're doing now, all these Man. virtual visits, which is how a lot of these things are happening. Like, we don't need to be open for, you know, six weeks. And then, I th- like, the one they're doing after spring ball, Nick, is open for, I think, a month. It's May 1st to May 31st, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that, that, to me, like, you don't need to – the portal doesn't need – like, this doesn't need to be, like, a six-week process. at least. Right, month. right. Because um, most of these way, guys, Nick, like you're right, they're making a decision in a week and a half, two yeah, weeks. Yeah, what are you waiting on? You know, like, I, I now it, it probably does benefit some of the guys where uh, bigger schools maybe swing and miss on some players, and then you rise up their draft boards, if you will. Right. Shout out to Cavasse Smoke, who just signed with Colorado. He probably that probably wasn't on the table a couple weeks ago, um, but 1500 yard rusher. Uh, I'm sure he was one of the most productive running backs still left in the transfer portal without a home. He was able to get on there. Bo Allen's going to Georgia Southern. Uh, Justin Rogers' tour of the SEC continues. Uh, He's going to (laughs) Alabama this weekend. Uh, He's enjoying the recruiting process. Uh, You can tell by all the interviews he's doing. Uh, One that I was shocked and like this, like it, Kobe Albert is like the most, Damn it! Like this, this never would have happened in the old era. But it's a crowded room. 
and like it just it just sucks. Like that's just kind of the attrition you dealt with. Zion Childers came along and probably took away the snaps that he thought he was going to get, and now when next year starts, he's safety number three. Like he's th- he's third everywhere. So like yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily blame him. I mean he played in eight or nine games, but it just sucks losing a blue chip. Like that's a quality depth piece blue chip mm-hmm. player that yeah. you're losing just you know seemingly out of the blue with only a week left to go in this portal window. Yeah, that just that stuff's gonna happen in this era. You just kind of gotta prepare for that and keep stacking your roster. There's really not much you can do. Uh, but you're right, the safety just a little sneakily became a really loaded position for Kentucky in the, during this season, which is not a bad thing. But there is there's pros and cons to everything. So this is just a con of that of some players of a Jordan Lovett of a Zion Childress of an Alex Afari emerging. There's only so many snaps go around. Mm-hmm. No, that you're you're exactly right. Um, the other big movement was the addition of Keyshawn Silver, which I've thought feels like it happened seventy, you know, seven <laughs> weeks ago, but it was actually only like, like Monday, days. Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which also that's us just being kind of curmudgeons because uh, nobody's talking. And so we didn't even know the guy was on scoop until after he had already committed. <laughs> but like it, I saw that and I was like, Hey, you found a quality. Like not only does he have the, the former recruiting stuff to where it's like, Oh, you lose a five star, you get a five star. Everybody's happy. If it, it does good for the narratives, but for me, it's just like, okay, you've, that, that's about as good as you can do in the portal when finding replacements. They got one, and they got it in this last weekend. Great addition. I'm curious because in our private conversations, you were seemingly hesitant about Silver, but you've come around on him after digging in more. Why? Yeah, I just think he's six foot four, five, three hundred and something pounds. He can move, he's got good movement skills. He was a basketball player in high school. He was there was talk of him walking on to the North Carolina basketball team. So there is some real athleticism there. The weight is a big thing. If he can get that weight in check, he can be a productive player for Kentucky. I think for Kentucky, you know, there are two gap defensive lines. So really they just need guys to eat up blocks. I mean, essentially, and take up space, especially at that nose tackle position. I think he has the size, length body to do that if he gets his weight in order gets in shape you could see him being a good player here and I think really they just needed one other guy there to compete with Josiah Hayes and Jamari Stinkins I don't think they needed like an instant no doubt starter they just needed somebody to work with and I think Silver checks those boxes he's in for the spring he's big he can move you can mm-hmm. do something with that. He can play with power. Um, now, I know like the, the career at Carolina wasn't great, but they're not developing um, good players there very often, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've been kind of a mess since Mac Brown has gotten there. And where Kentucky, I think they've done a pretty good job on the defensive line. You know, Amar Stewart has not been the recruiting king um, on the staff, but I think he's done a good job developing his players in his room. And so you get Silver in his room, I think, and he checks the boxes I think Kentucky wants. Like, they want that length. They want guys that can play with power. I think, 
you know, he can do that. And so I could see him being a guy that could potentially give them snaps next year. And that's really what they need. With Hayes, Dinkins, and Silver, they just – it's going to play platoon. Neither one – none of those guys are going to be great, but I don't – they don't need uh, somebody to be great there. just need somebody to take up space, hold blocks, and then the other positions is where they're going to need production from. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, – we can get to that later. We, we've we got all uh, – a long offseason to – dissect the depth chart in totality really preview 2023 season but the offseason it's still young and his nickname is big country with a k so yeah that's pretty great i love too he was raised by his grandmother whose name Mm -hmm. is queen silver like that's a fairy tale character yeah that's awesome yeah that's awesome um but we'll have a lot more uh luck it's going to go i hope he has at least one story that he can share with us when he returns from las vegas but uh, we got more conversations with Liam Cohen coming down the pike. We've got Jamarion Wilcox's decision on Friday. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about. Enjoy your super wild card weekend. Uh, for Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and uh, go Crow Green. All right, so um, let me see, put this back on. So you guys good to do a little RR? Yes. All right, cool. I'll just hop off, and then whenever you guys get going on that, okay. or whenever you want to. Well, let me uh, pull up his stats real quick. I've, I've said him a thousand times, but uh, I'll try to like re. Uh, Get 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 the big voice. Get all hyped, like this is just happening. Instead of like we've done this a thousand times already. Oh, come on, load up. Oh, Jamarion Wilcox, uh, film room. Okay, here we go. <coughs> In five, four. Jamarion Wilcox is a wildcat. Kentucky gets one more addition to the 2023 football recruiting class, and it's a big one, an explosive playmaker from the Atlanta suburb of Douglasville at South Paulding High School last year. Rushed for 2,059 rushing yards, 29 touchdowns. Look it. The Cats got a stud at running back. You added some some thunder with uh, Ray Davis. In the transfer portal this offseason, now you got a little bit of lightning with a big play, explosive back that if Kentucky finally does get all the way in, get elbows deep into running this outside zone, he really fits that scheme well and could be an explosive rusher for the Wildcats this fall. First things first here, they had to get a running back in this class. They didn't have one, you know. Uh, they had two commitments, Khalifa Keefe flipped to Tennessee, and then Caden Mormon was dropped out of the class, so they didn't have a back tailback here. Trey Cornus ends up at Tulane, was a guy they looked at, I think decided late, maybe to go a different direction. They were in on some other guys, but it was pretty clear that they zoned in on Jamari on Wilcox early. They had him on campus over the summer, 
recruited him for a long time. Sounded like it was kind of a committee approach to this recruitment. And so they put in a lot of time trying to get Wilcox in the fold. And they finally were able to do that. This was a player, Nick, who saw a pretty big rankings bump as a senior. So you got to give Kentucky credit here, I think, of evaluating and scouting him early and having a good grade on him and get really going after him in this recruiting process. And there's there's things to like. There's a lot of things to like about Wilcox. I think the explosiveness you talked about is number one. But I like when I watched him tape, I don't know if it's like total straight burner. Like I don't see like Boom Williams type speed. But I do see a back that's different than the other backs Kentucky has on the roster. Where there's where he's like, he is more explosive than the other guys they have. So he's gonna be able to, I think, to provide some big runs, and if he puts on good weight, he has a wrestling background, which I like. Um, he, you could see him becoming an RB1 who's capable of having a big workload in the SEC. And, and, that, and that is very intriguing when you project him forward. I think this year he's going to be a part of the rotation, but you can look ahead to 2024 and he can be RB1 for the program. And, and that's the part that strikes me is I believe it's his second highlight uh, in that that senior year huddle tape, where he gets lost in just a bunch of bodies mm-hmm. and finds his way to to poke through, like yeah. even though he is a smaller guy in frame, like he's big in stature, and he's yeah. not afraid of contact. That is the biggest concern because there was fluctuating height and weight on Wilcox. There was one point he was listed at five five, another one listing him at five ten. It's probably somewhere in the middle, right? Anywhere from 180 pounds to like 205, so it's probably he's probably more like 190. Um, and so size wise, can you, you know, can you take? Can he be like a Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State, or is he going? Is he not as good as Deuce Vaughn, and he's just kind of kind of be, you know, lost in the wash a little bit? That's um, that's something we're gonna have to wait and see and see him out there and see him at practice to see kind of how he fits. But I don't like I wrote in the scouting report. I, Jamari Wilcox is not a true burner, but the signee can break tackles upon contact, make defenders miss in space, and has adequate speed to provide breakaway runs. This could be just what the doctor orders for the Kentucky offense. I think really, Nick, that contact balance is really big here. Um, he can absorb hits and create forward gains. I think that that is big um, for a guy like this because he does have some burst when you get him out in the open field, but you got to run through some guys. And I also think if they Go to the outside zone, which they're getting more athletic on the offensive line. So to me, that's a sign they're they're moving towards that. Um, he's the kind of guy I think could be a good fit thanks to his burst, contact, balance, and explosiveness. As you alluded to earlier, uh, Kentucky was uh, they did their due diligence in the evaluation process. Was a former Georgia Tech commit. Once he. Uh, reopened his recruitment. Kentucky was all over him, um, and they were through multiple running backs coaches. Clemson yeah. tried to get on there; they were able to bat them off. And then Ohio even State, after, yep, uh, Ohio State was. And even after uh, John Settle was ousted, Jay Bowler comes in and mm-hmm. doesn't skip a beat. Hugh Freeze is trying to get him in there for an official visit on that final weekend. Yeah, and he said Bowler's doing the end home. So Kentucky did their part at a school too, mind you. His teammates, uh, one of them is going to play for Coach Prime, the quarterback. 
the offensive lineman Madden Sanker is going to Louisville. Like he played for a good high school football team with a lot of high profile recruits. So um, feels good to feels like you're doing something right when you're winning big time recruiting battles against powerhouses in the Atlanta metro area. Yeah, and I think um, I think the thing with Wiseman was he. I don't know if he was maybe adopted or if he just moved in with him, but he, I think he lived with him in high school, at least the last couple of years. Case and Wiseman was uh, – he visited UK. Yeah, uh, he, he camped, camped at Kentucky him. last summer. Was uh, pledged to Liberty for a while and then went to uh, – ended up committing to play was, for Coach Prime. Yeah, he was committed to Kansas and then flipped on like sunny day or something to Colorado. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just think, you know, this guy ran for over 2,000 yards in 12 games as a senior, Nick, playing – Top-notch competition, average nine yards per rush. Auburn, Clemson, Ohio State, like you mentioned. Um, but you really got to give Kentucky credit here, and I think he fits at kind of a zone runner. And so Kentucky's going to be a zone rushing offense. I think Wilcox kind of fits that. And then I think there's – they're depending on him maybe as much as any true freshman to play next year. Yes, yes, yes. And so they really need him to come in and be able to be a guy that can contribute for them in the backfield. Um, because I think you – what we know about the backfield next year, Nick, was we know Ray Davis and Jatama McClain are going to be playing. Yeah. But Ray Davis has been injured, lost for the season in, in, at Vanderbilt in 2021 after four games. McClain has missed games every year, last mm-hmm. two years at least. Correct. You need depth. <laughs> and so – and Lavelle Wright got hurt, I think, last year and missed a game. You need depth. And so Wilcox is going to be playing a role there in that backfield. He's he's going to be an immediate impact playmaker. And yeah. like you said, um, you look around at some of the rest of the class where you have some talented guys, but all those defensive guys that are really good, they're, they're not going to be called upon right away. Those receivers that you like, I mean, some will play, but there's some dudes that are coming they're, back, right? They, like need those, not a, they need those guys to be good twos. Yes, exactly. But they don't have to be like you could see Wilcox getting eighteen carries. Yeah. you know, in a game. and like Avery Stewart, I could see him potentially starting as a freshman if he comes in as just a dude because of where they're at at cornerback right now. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're depending on that. They're depending on Jamarian Wilcox to be a contributor in twenty twenty three. And uh, it's certainly exciting that the timing of it is a little bit unusual. We normally don't get uh, 2023 commitments in. Yeah, it's usually at an all-star game. Yeah. When you get yeah. these late announcements like that, this one was a unique case. Yes. Um, I'll be interested to see if the story is told about why this happened. But it, but it doesn't matter in recruiting. At the end of the day, it's about do they show we'll up. Uh, and not everybody's showing up this week. Jaden Rashad at Florida. That big top 100 quarterback, the Gator sign, went back and forth with Miami. There's NIL stuff. And so that's, that's the current landscape we're in. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Kentucky got the signature, and Wilcox should arrive in the summer, and he should be a part of that rotation in September when Kentucky starts playing football games. It's certainly exciting. Jamarion Wilcox, officially a Kentucky Wildcat.